0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. 're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Brighton Rock, our Brighton and Hove Albion podcast that's coming to you from London. Uh, it's just me this week. There's no Peter Marsh. He's unfortunately unable to meet up with me on account of the fact that I was in New Orleans for the week. Just got back later in the midweek period and that's why we weren't able to meet up as well. So I will be doing a shorter scale down version of this week's episode, just to quickly go over the two games that I was quite happy to have tactically missed by going on holiday this week, the Villa and Bournemouth games. I want to also talk about the two AM transfers. That's the prospective arrival, possibly now, of Alexis McAllister, who we've had on our books for a while now, but who's been in on the Argentine, uh, on loan essentially back to Argentinos Juniors, who we signed in from, and then latterly at Boca Juniors. And also about Aaron Moy, who we've had on loan incomingly, but who we've now signed on a permanent deal. More on that later. Also on the two games, the aforementioned terrible results against Villa and Bournemouth. Um, And a little bit of a reflection on what the fans are feeling right now, plus a little bit of a Premier League overview. So, starting with the Villa game. Not great, of course. A one-all draw at home. Um, I was unable to see any streams, so I only have um, word of mouth feedback uh, from friends and uh, people that were at the game who made comments on the match. Obviously, um, having led and then not seeing the game out has been a problem uh, a few times this season. Uh, Palace, one of the notable recent occasions as such, and unfortunately it came back to haunt us again in the Villa game, didn't it? Um, By all accounts we started pretty well, the first half we were pretty dominant, Villa had set up to defend 100% and so they did. But, despite not being able to break through for quite a while, we did eventually get a goal. And when we did so, um, it looked like it was game on really, it looked like things were just how we would have wanted them. Um, Trossard scoring of course on the 38th minute, pretty good finish as well from a good through ball from Neil Morpay I believe and when he threaded it through, Trossard had plenty still to do, but it was a brilliant finish and it capped off a deserved lead for the first half. Um, Unfortunately, the game in the second half took a turn. Villa came out stronger, they looked more purposeful, and although the game still flattened out and pretty much degenerated, from what I've heard, into a bit of a scrappy affair, Grealish popped up with a goal. Pretty good finish after some good work in the build-up. A mistake by Moy initially giving the ball to Villa, Uh, Greenish pops at home, four goals in four games against us. He's really starting to get on our nerves, isn't he? Anyway, um, that was it for the scoring, one all. We did have a great chance late on when, unfortunately, the newly signed Aston Villa goalkeeper Pepe Reina, former Liverpool European Cup winner, um, he made his debut, I think it was, um, in that match against us. But anyway, he put on uh, a good performance and he made a very good late save to deny Neil Morpé the chance to grab a winner, a much-needed winner, that we were desperate for. We said in the run-up to this podcast, that, uh, on our last podcast, that we really needed at least four points from these two games. We've ended up with one. That's obviously not good enough by any one stretch. And we've now, with the next two games, we were saying we were going to need another four points from those two, and that is clearly not going to be enough now, I think. We need to get at least two wins in these two games. Um, maybe more, maybe three wins in these two games. That would be ideal, given what's happened before. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it, I mean, looking at the stats, 55% possession, that's pretty run-of-the-mill that we would normally get such um, figures against a side like Villa at home. Uh, shots, we had 10 to their eight. We had two on target to their three, which was interesting. Um, roughly the same number of corners and fouls as well. Um, I mean, it, it was summed up pretty much by Graham Potter in his post-match match interview, um, quoting him from his BBC Match of the Day interview, he said, it was an important game for us and we're disappointed not to win. I thought first half we were really good, deservedly 1-0 up and maybe with a bit of luck it could have been more, but we weren't and you expect the response from Aston Villa. If we could have seen that period out more, more maybe we could have hung on to the game. We responded really well to their goal and had chances at the end, but it wasn't to be. In the end it's a point and we move forward. So certainly Uh, I would agree with his overall synopsis on the first half, it sounded from what I've heard. Um, But yeah, he's right. We weren't able to capitalise, we weren't able to get anything more, and we ended up suffering an equaliser. On that equaliser, Potter had said, we had the ball and uh, positionally made a mistake, but it's a fantastic finish and probably the only player on the pitch who can do that. That's the Premier League for you. You can do a lot right in the game, but the opposition always have a player of high quality and that's a great strike, um, you can't much disagree with that, unfortunately Grealish is a good player much as he's not very likeable to most, um, on top of that there is the issue that uh, yeah, chances will be taken in shorter supply against opposition so we really do need to make things count, we do need to see our games and that is undoubtedly our big issue at the moment, not being able to do so on a comprehensive enough level. So that was disappointing, fans not happy understandably so um, from what I gather a friend of mine said another friend of, of ours that was at the game was as visibly upset as he's ever seen him, um, whether that was in relation to the, the building up of what's going on at the moment or whether it's in particular isolation that, that specific game, the Villa match but he was not happy at all and I think he's, uh, his views are not, are, are not an isolation, they're shared by a number of people, so A little bit of fan unrest. The worry is, of course, that Chris Houghton for uh, all the slack he was getting in the final stages of his uh, career with us at the Albion, um, he did have the benefit of um, some history with us, and I think that maybe cut him some slack. The worry is, much as everyone was enthusiastic about Potter joining us, they have been pretty keen on Potterball. Sorry, Peter, I have to say that again. And, you know, we were generally enthused with the way we're playing and having the same number of points from the much better style of play and while that is still more or less true even after these two bad results the fact is if things slip too quickly Graham Potter doesn't have that uh, to dine out on the previous history with us Um, he is a rookie manager as far as the Premier League goes as are some other managers in this division but in our case in our particular case Potter is getting himself close to a very difficult position I think off the back of both this Villa game that we've just been, I've just been talking about and the Bournemouth game as well, I do think that um, we are now officially in trouble. I'm, I'm not one to worry easily. I'm certainly an optimist by nature. I think Peter is too. But we know trouble when we see it. And I think, from my point of view, I'm now worrying. I'm seeing us missing out on points previously, which we should have picked up, whether they be against weak opposition or not. I'm now, in these last two games, seeing us off the back of not having as many points as I feel we should have, dropping more points that I feel we should have. Villa were there for the taking. They were poor, as they were in the first game against us until we had the man sent off. They were poor in this game from all I read and heard and seen in highlights as well later on. And it wasn't, you know, and we were in a winning position. It wasn't a game where we could afford to drop any of the points, really. And to come away with only one out of three is just not good enough off the back of what's gone before, to then go to Bournemouth, which of course is the other match to discuss, and to have really coming up against a team that's woefully out of form, really, really down at heel, really in a negative space at the moment, a lot of dejected players there, an injury crisis slightly resolved by a couple of players like Wilson coming back, but largely still present and also having, I think Cook was suspended as well for this game, having got sent, sent off for a spectacular handball trying to stop a goal. Um, you know, they were in a position where they were there for the taking. And, to be fair, Albion went out in that game, from what I've seen of the extended sky highlights, you know, the 23-minute package they do in the evenings on the day of the match, um, quite useful to see a more extended version of what would have otherwise been seen on match of the day. And from what I could see in that, it looked, and certainly from the reports I've read, um, that that married up with it. Um, the fact that we had a lot of good possession, a lot of um, impetus, a lot of front foot play in that game. We were playing the way we've been playing when we've been playing well in other games, except in that final third. We weren't able to make things count. We weren't able to create some really meaningful chances, barring one or two smaller ones. and. Subsequently, as the game wore on, we got into the, I think, the 36th minute, I think it was, and out of the blue, Bournemouth score a goal. They quickly score another one due to some other concentration lapses, and we're 2-0 down, chasing the game. The match eventually finishes 3-1 from a position where we were 3-0 down, and that really is, a, a lost, again, a lost opportunity because Bournemouth weren't playing well. We played in the way that we needed to. Despite the disappointment of Villa, we came out fighting. We came out looking to take the game to Bournemouth. And the fans, by all accounts, were looking edgy, the home fans. So everything was set for us to do what we did in the previous game against them and beat them comfortably. But it wasn't to be, and that is intensely frustrating. Frustrating, even. So looking at the stats, um, Bournemouth had 35% possession to our 65 They had 11 shots, but we had 21 shots, which is a phenomenal number, especially in an away performance. Bournemouth had three on target, we had eight on target. So we were making some of those shots count in terms of being on target. The problem with that, and what that reflects, is how well, unfortunately, Aaron Ramsgate played in goal for Bournemouth. He was man of the match by far in everyone's book. Uh, he made one double save I think at one point, um, in fact no I think it was um, shot from Morpay, return shot then blocked by Mings, I think it was not Mings, um, Ake, okay. I'm mixing up my games here. But anyway, we, so we, we had more shots, I think to a degree we were unlucky because we, we did do the creating and shooting that we'd struggled with in other games, um, but we couldn't make it count. All we got was a consolation goal, a good, well-taken goal by Aaron Moy late in the game in the 82nd minute, but the, clearly that's not enough. And we come away with one point from the six, uh, from the six, game, six points possible there, which is highly frustrating, I have to say. Um, other stats look pretty similar to each other, so not a great deal, really, to surmise from that. Having not seen the game firsthand, I'll be interested to get um, opinions from anybody on that. Also from Peter on the Aston Villa game, um, which he certainly was in attendance. I'm not sure if he went to Bournemouth. I'll find out when I next meet up with him. Um, Yeah, so Aaron Ramsdale, unfortunately, was the uh, man of the match for the the whole of the game, and for Bournemouth in particular. That was frustrating. What we do know from that is that now Brighton have lost eight of their last 11 Premier League away games, um, with one win and two draws representing the other stats there. They've conceded two or more goals in seven of those games as well. That's frustrating. Um, On the upside, I suppose, and uh, in reference of Grealish always scoring against us, it also must be said that Moy is starting to always score against Bournemouth because, of course, it was against Bournemouth that he scored his first and other Premier League goal so far this season. Um, Twice in four Premier League games, actually, because we played Bournemouth in such close succession Uh, one game to the other, Um, but he'd managed just one goal in his previous 30 such games before that. So, um, clearly he likes playing against Bournemouth, so if we do both survive, or indeed if we both go down this season, and Moy is still playing for us, which I think he would be, um, in either scenario, maybe that's something to look forward to. Unfortunately, although we partially sorted it by winning a cup game last year, and winning the league game, finally winning a league game this year against an Eddie Howe team, Unfortunately, the smug Eddie Curse does still linger, doesn't it? Um, A team in such bad form, in such bad shape, as they were going into the game when they thrashed us last season at the Amex, once again, despite that bad form, despite being in a bad state, they've come away with three points against us. They really are a pain in the neck, aren't they? As for Graham Potter himself, what did he say about the game? Uh, Well, he said, we played really well for the first 30 minutes, They were struggling to get out of their half. We pushed and pushed, but in the end, it's a disappointing evening. The result is the most important thing. Ali Reza, Jahambach, and Bernardo had speculative efforts early on, but Morpay will feel he could have scored from either of those close range um, efforts. And that's what the BBC were saying afterwards. They also said that Morpay, who had not scored since the one-all draw at Crystal Palace on the 16th of December, had just 34 touches of the ball and at times appeared isolated. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? Really getting him into positions where he not only has a decent side of goal, but also, and or, he has options for laying on passes to someone in a decent position, also inside or near the box. And that doesn't really happen to a great enough degree, and that's a little bit of worry. So here is the interview with Graham Potter, uh, on match of the day. Graham, how would you
1: sum that one up from your side's perspective? We was playing really well for the first 30 minutes. Um, total control of the game, I felt. The, crowd, the home crowd were just about to, I think, turn on their, their team a little bit because they, were, they could see that they were struggling to get out the half, pretty much. We had good control, but then a moment of five minutes of madness and all of a sudden the scoreline's gone against us and then uh, it becomes really difficult because um, you obviously then you have to chase the game, you have to open yourselves up a bit more. Uh, we tried to do that in the second half, but of course, then you leave yourself a bit more vulnerable. We pushed and pushed, but um, in the end, it was really disappointing evening for us.
0: So Graham, they're talking about moments of madness following periods of domination, and I think that sums it up really, doesn't it? Um, it does mean we get into trouble. He, he talked then in, later in the interview about how well um, Ramsdale had played and so on and so forth. But it's uh, yes, it's a very disappointing situation. We are in trouble now. This is what Graham then went on to say about the fact we're in trouble.
1: How do you dig yourselves out of this now? Because you're just being pulled a little bit closer to the, the trapdoor area. Yeah, that's the, that's the reality. That's what we have to face. Um, it's the Premier League for you. you. You have to face the challenges. You have to. We have to stick together. We have to keep working. It's my responsibility to find the solutions because um, that's, that's what the job is. We have to find the right solutions to try and get a result. Have you got that character and spirit that you see it in your players? you see the answers in your squad to get out of this? Yeah, I do. I, I believe in the players. But at the same time, it, it, it's all very well me you know, saying and talking. We have, to, we have to act as well and, um, you know, they, they've been great. Uh, no, no problem with them at all, but um, we have to try to improve and that includes myself. And do you get concerned at a time like this and do you want your players to be concerned? Do you want them to be looking at the league table and see you've dropped a bit now? Well, you can focus on the league table, or you can focus on the job that you need to do in the game. And I would rather the players do that because they can they can sit and look at the league table all you want, and it's not going to help them. Um, Our our reality is we have to stand up. We have to be our our performances have to improve. The little things we have to do have to have to be better. And then um, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna focus on.
0: So there we are, Graham Potter speaking after the Bournemouth game, and. Yes, it's true, you've got to just keep plugging away, you've got to keep looking to improve and just eke out some differences, some positive differences, as you go along with learning from mistakes being a key factor and just making sure, over the course of time, you do pick up those points. I mean, he's mentioned the table there. At the moment, as it stands, as we're sitting here now, it's um, Norwich City bottom with 17, I think, are looking pretty dead and buried, despite beating Bournemouth, actually, recently. They're still on 17 from 24. Watford, um, vastly improved, but still in the relegation zone. 23 from 24. Bournemouth goal difference above them, and West Ham goal difference above them, and they've got the game in hand albeit that is against Liverpool, so you can almost write that one off. Um, then come Villa on 25, who unfortunately, if I recall rightly, um, scored a last-minute winner, to add insult to injury for our midweek um, enterprises, um, to draw level, just goal difference behind us now, on 25 points. Then it is Albion ourselves. And then there's a five-point gap now to the next three, which are those also Rams who have slightly picked up Newcastle, Burnley and Everton and also the dreaded Palace and Arsenal, all on 30 points. So the fact we're still five points behind Arsenal maybe puts things in perspective in one sense. Um, the fact Newcastle are only a few points off Europe is um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty bizarre as well. Um, but that is a grim reality. We are three places away from dropping into the relegation zone. We haven't done so, if you say notwithstanding the first couple of weeks of a season. We've not been in the relegation zone since we've been in the Premier League, unless I'm very much mistaken. And I wonder if, in some ways, that could be a quite a psychological blow to the team, particularly to those that have been there for the full duration like Stevens and Duncan and so on. If we were to drop in at some point into the new year, um, it would be a psychological blow, I think, certainly. We are. Potentially, certainly in terms of point swings, just one result away. I don't know, depending on who's playing who, that might not be mathematically possible, but we are one or two results away from dropping into the zone. Now, that is a worry, isn't it? And 25 points from 24 games itself is still just above the average required to achieve the number of points that are said to guarantee you survival. 38 points in a season from 38 games almost always will see you safe. see see you safe but um 40 points would be the target that people are some in some degrees are talking about now i still think it's going to end up being 38 because people can't take points off each other all season there's going to be dips and really bad patches for some of these teams down there and they will have little spurts of good results as well but i think looking at it in in a little bit of detail it's likely that I would think something like 37, 38 points will be enough to survive, even though at the moment that doesn't seem feasible uh, for us <laughs> to, to get to. We've, we've got more winnable games coming up. We must make sure we win in games such as the match at West Ham coming up this weekend, uh, or next weekend, and in the Palace match, where we have the chance to take up to four points off Palace this season in total. Um, those are the games where we need to make it count now because We've got some tough matches coming up in March, and particularly April. So it's important, vital in fact, despite the fact that you can always pull off results against big teams, to get those results in the bag, A, earlier, and B, in the more winnable fixtures. So we don't have to put more and more pressure on the later results at the back end of the season. So anyway, moving on to other items. Well, transfers. Um, I mentioned a little bit at the top of the show. That we have signed Aaron Moy. It's a three and a half year deal, um, halfway through his one-year loan season spell with us, uh, for which I believe we paid some sort of a loan fee. Um, That has been topped up by what is rumoured to be a £5 million additional fee that's been paid to Huddersfield. Their fans are not very happy, can't blame them, but it makes sense for Aaron Moy and it makes sense for the Albion to sign him. Rumours were that we may not be signing him, and we seem pretty relaxed about it. I wasn't so relaxed. I wanted him in. I think he's good enough to form part of this team for the rest of the season, obviously, which he's on loan for anyway, but also for the future. Um, And the three-and-a-half-year deal that he's been given, which matches that of Dan Byrne recently, who's also on a a similar arrangement now, um, is equally good reward, as it is with Dan Byrne, um, for... A job well done so far. He took a few games to get into his stride, obviously that's understandable. New teammates, some other opposition from what he was used to the previous season when he was with Huddersfield. And, you know, it just takes time to get into the zone, to get back up to um, match sharpness and so on and so forth. But, he's done so. He's been a shining light, he's been a driving force in a number of games. He's run the match in games such as the Bournemouth home match, for example and I think until he got sent off, the Aston Villa away game as well, as another example. He is a very good player, and he was impressive in a number of other games. He's fully well worth his um, his fee. I think, actually, that's a bit of a steal. Um, if it is 5 million plus um, some sort of loan fee as, as the full overall amount we paid, I'm pretty happy with that overall, to be honest. Um, so that's good news, and I think it's sensible news as well. A uh, sensible move, I should say. Um, so pretty happy with that. Um, On the flip side, we've got a player who we've already owned but have loaned out elsewhere. Alexis McAllister. Um, Argentinos Juniors player, Argentinian national. We signed him. He went back on loan to his um, club we signed him from, but he's then gone on to play for his beloved Boca Juniors, the club which I understand his dad played as a left-back back back in his day. Um, A ginger-haired left-back. I wonder where the name McAllister might come from there. Hmm. Anyway, and he has loved it there, he's thrived, he's got himself partly due to unavailability of other players but he's got himself into the Argentina national squad. Um, just a peripheral role, pretty similar to Lewis Dunk with England really, um, but that was the case at least until the Olympics. Now there's an Olympics qualifying tournament going on at the moment in South America um, in between seasons over there. and. He's apparently scored a goal, created an assist, and got himself sent off all in the space of one match. So he's clearly having an impact in all regards at the moment over there. He's going to be an Argentina international by the looks of it in the long term. He's certainly had an explosive presence in the Argentinian league this year. He's scored a couple of crackers. He's also had a very big part to play in a Copa Libertadores campaign for um, for, um, Boca. Um, There were reports, supposedly quotes, from him from the Argentine press, that he was not so keen to come over, and he was actually pretty happy and settled there, wanted to carry on making a name for himself and making his career with Boca. And it is the club of his um, heart. So you can understand why that might be the case. It also makes it more worrying when you hear the quote, because you can believe it more. But, looking at it, um, it seems that matters have cooled. Um, Some sort of initiative's gone on here. The Albion apparently were a couple of steps away in terms of international appearances and in terms of his um, status in general with getting a work permit. We were chasing shadows a little bit, not quite catching up. Suddenly there's been the opportunity to present our case to an FA panel, a special panel, which apparently we've done for a small fee. We've then had the case approved, the work permit has been granted, the player can now come to England, and although he has no Premier League experience, I think he could make an impact quicker than most. It would be an exciting, shall we say, acquisition or or a recapturing of a player we already have, um, <clears throat> but I think he could make a difference. He could be a very important player for us if we decide to go ahead and bring him in. He seems more keen than he was to come. We've obviously continued to be keen to bring him in by pushing for this work permit. We've got that now. We're in a good position. I think what we'll probably do is see what else is going on in the transfer markets because we obviously have been planning around not having him. So depending on what targets are achieved, um, if any, then we may have to make a decision based on that. His contract, his loan contract, actually runs for the English league season rather than the South American season so he is going to still be with them subject to any change Uh, for the first half of this calendar year, 2020, which is the, I think it's the Apertura, the first of two league tournaments that take place in Argentina, uh, one for each half of the year. So he's there for the Apertura tournament, as I understand it. That, however, could change. Albion are um, able to buy him out of his loan deal, to, to buy out the rest of that loan agreement with Boca. Um, it's understood from certain sources in the media that this could be done, and could be done at a moderate fee. I think we should go for that, and we'll see what happens. But interesting information. There's been a few other transfer rumours, and um, we've often been linked with Samata from Bruges. He's ended up going to um, Aston Villa, as I understand it. Um, Matty Cash, um, who I think may possibly be a midfielder playing as a right-back, but he's been, been a right-back at the Forest. This season he's apparently making a name for himself and um, we are reportedly um, in- interested in him we may be the second in line to possibly get him in we do need a fullback and we could probably do with some midfield cover so if he fits both those bills or even just the fullback role that could be a good addition the problem with it is we're second favorites to get him according to the bookmakers the first favorites are west ham they've already made a bid of 12 mil so We'll see what happens on that score, but that's another interesting link. Um, Other rivals have been making signings. We've already mentioned Velas Mata and Pepe Reina. They are still trying to spend their way out of trouble here. Um, It hasn't kept them out of trouble in the earlier part of the season. Will it save them now, who knows they may carry on their spending um, i haven 't been keeping track on too much else that 's been going on so far, um, mainly due to being away for for a little bit in New Orleans, which I thoroughly recommend by the way, fantastic city, not cheap for food and drink, but a very musical city, great friendly people, lovely place absolutely loved it, definitely better than watching us lose um, at Bournemouth and draw with villa but anyway, there we go um, but i've yeah subsequently i 'm a little bit out of the loop on terms of other. Uh, other transfer rumours and acquisitions that have come in. Um, But looking at other things, um, going back to the Potter situation as well, really, the points ratio we've mentioned, 25 from 24. Are we in trouble? We're getting that way, I think it's best to say. Other teams, they're picking up points. Watford's improved. Southampton have pulled well clear. Newcastle and, to a degree, Palace, without particularly looking impressive, Uh, have got themselves comfortably away from danger in the realm of 30 points. Um, I think the question here is, how far does this potentially slide before we do anything? Do we stick or twist at all this season, having invested in this whole new project, this whole new young manager, um, at some point this season? Is there a threshold, and if so, when? I'll put that question to Peter when we meet up for our next podcast meeting. Um, Should we keep... Um, him even if signs of progression are there but we get relegated so you know if we go down but we can see a longer term objective being fulfilled including a promotion back up under potter would we then still stick um is it sort of a project over premier league or is it premier league at all costs so you know it's really it's, it's a question we can't really answer it's for the board And what are they thinking? They must be at least contemplating what their options are at this stage, I would imagine. But I don't think there's any cause for panic yet. Um, So that's that, really. Um, It's a dead weekend coming up this weekend, so nothing to preview. So uh, that's due, of course, to us getting knocked out of the FA Cup at home to Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks ago. Um, However, it's been quite nice to get a little bit of a break from things. I actually think the break comes at a good time for Albion. I think they needed a little bit of time to just regroup to recoup um, some some confidence and um, to really get back to working on the training ground a little bit more detail. I do like what, some of what Potter's doing, I like the way he's trying to do things, I don't think he's hitting all the right notes yet but I do think he's getting there and hopefully that extra week off might benefit us. We're also then playing West Ham which dare I say it, da da da, another team that's struggling for points and form. Um, good time to play them, it was a good time to play Bournemouth. That's all I'll say on that one for now. I am going to the game, meeting up with a few mates, and um, we're going to go to a place that does some cracking craft beers and pizzas before the match in Hackney Wick, which we've done in the previous couple of years. So it's a good day out. Hopefully we can continue our good form at West Ham. The 3-0 win was fantastic. A 2-all draw last season, on paper, was a good result as well, although the fact that we gave away a two-goal lead with two quick quick concessions was not. (laughs) However... Four points out of a possible six at the London Stadium is nothing nothing to be sniffed at really. Let's hope we can go ahead and do some more damage there with that one. We're hoping to present our next podcast, the, which would include the preview of the West Ham match, from the pub we went to last week, which I should mention isn't the Royal Oak, where we had our first meeting. We've moved venues to a lovely little pub around the corner because of availability, and we think that will probably be our new home of the podcast. Um, we had a bit of feedback from one of our listeners, yes, we've apparently got some already, fantastic, um, who said that uh, he liked the pub background noise. Um, that permeated out as we were chatting. And I think um, that was, while not deliberate, was something I did have vaguely in mind when coming up with the notion of eating in pubs, having a little bit of atmosphere in the background. Um, we may or may not get that in future weeks because we're in an upstairs room, a very small room, where we can have our beer and our pies, as lovely lovely as ever. They were really good, actually. Uh, fantastic food. It's an Anglo-Asian place, and they did curry pies, which was superb. Anyway, in the room next door was a private group and that's the noise you would have heard so there might be other groups in we might get more pub atmospherics we'll see how it goes but anyway we'll be previewing West Ham in the next, in the next game the landlord of that pub is actually a West Ham fan and he said if he's available he'd like to come on and um, and share his thoughts on the season so far for his team and what he thinks is going to happen in this match etc and um, hopefully we'll be able to do that fingers crossed Yeah, a good bit of New Orleans music, that's what I've been about. The Preservation Hall, fantastic place. Anyway, um, the final part of this, the third episode of Brighton Rock. wanted to talk just a little bit on a couple of up and coming matters. Um, First of all, we've got the Seagulls Over London meeting, which is a meeting of anyone living or working in London who wants to come along and chat all things Albion. There's a guest. Who either comes from the club, from the media world, or some other peripheral uh, connection with the Albion, and they will talk normally for 45 minutes. We have a half-time break. We then have a second 45 where there's Q&A. And our latest guest is on the 20 sorry on the 30th of January. We've got Paul Camlin coming up. Um, now, for anyone that will know, he was a prominent part in the old days of battling to get the ground and he has been press officer for a number of years. In more recent times he is now far more prominent, he is Brighton's Head of Media and Communications. He's with us on the 30th of January at the Sir Christopher Hatton pub which is in Chancery Lane if you come out of the tube it's on the red line, the central line. It's exit 2 and it's about a 2 or 3 minute walk from there going towards Hatton Garden. Um, It's a good venue, we've got the downstairs basement um, exclusively for our use, with mics and so on, so it'll be a good evening. He'll talk to us, no doubt, maybe the inside track on a few things about the Albion, and it's certainly worth coming along. It's £5 for an on-the-day pass, or you can pay £10 to have the rest of the season as your membership, and then come to the subsequent events that we have coming up in March, May, and in the summer. But we would like to see as many of you there as possible. If you happen to be in the London area, or if you happen to live in the London area, then do please come along. You can contact us. It's actually my um, email that I use for Seagulls Over London as a member of the committee. Uh, If you want to get in touch, it is www.seagullsoverlondon.com. If you go on there, there's an email link. Just click on there and send us a message. Also, we've got an email address for this podcast, which is, quite simply, Podcast at gmail.com. So if any of you out there wanted to send in any questions or have any inquiries or general information, please do. Um, we're happy to read out some comments and quotes and get the ball rolling and start the conversations in more detail. So please do that if you want to. Um, that's it pretty much for this week. Um, Pretty much, we've had a positive fan feedback, by the way, from some of the people that have been listening to us. So we're really pleased with that. Keep that coming. It really is appreciated. And next time, I'll have my cohort, Peter, back with me. So I'll look forward to seeing you then. Until then, we hope you're having a good week. And let's hope, fingers crossed, that we can make it something of a an improvement in the next week or two coming forward. West Ham is next up. I'll do a podcast during the week on that. Stay tuned. Until then... Stand or fall up the Albion.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW route. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.